Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy's taking a bit of a break, but I have got my partner in crime, Jen Galvin, here with me today. For those of you who don't know Jen, she is a practice manager and practice owner of a multi-doctor practice in Arizona. She is so much fun, and when I saw this letter come through the mailbag, I thought there's no better person to talk through this challenge with than my friend Jen. So we are going to talk through a mailbag letter about some inventory questions. And I want to thank our friends at VetSource for bringing you this week's episode ad-free. Let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Stephanie Goss. And this week, I am without my partner in crime, Dr. Andy Rourke. But I have a fantastic guest host here with me today. I have my friend and wingman and partner in crime, uh, Jen Galvin. And for those of you who have never met Jen, she is an Uncharted member. She is super, super funny. She is smart and sassy. And she is a practice manager uh, like myself. And she is also a practice owner. She manages her practice in Arizona with her partner, Erica Cartwright, who is the DBM. And how long have you guys been in practice together, Jen? It is going to be 10 years next month. That is awesome. Well, thank you for being here with me today. I am excited to have you. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I am excited for more people to get to know you. Our community obviously knows you really well. And you and I have done uh, a bunch of uh, workshops through Uncharted together now at this point over the last five years. And um we have done some about kind of this topic or pieces of this topic because you and I have traditionally tackled some of the more business heavy content that we have done for Uncharted. So talking about KPIs and inventory and uh, the business side of things. And so uh, we got a letter in the mailbag recently. And uh, when I looked at it, I thought, okay, I would love to talk through this with Jen, because this is the kind of stuff that you and I both nerd out about. And (laughs) so I thought, no offense to Andy, I love him so much, but this will be a much more fun conversation with Jen. (laughs) Now without him here, do I have to give you a funny middle name or I mean, do do you just, we skip that? I think you, you could probably make up, uh, make one up, but we also can (laughs) just skip that and move right along. Uh, But this week is going to be a fun one, you guys. Uh, We have a letter from the mailbag we got uh, from a manager who is working at a practice that is corporately owned, and they are feeling a lot of pressure, uh, quote unquote, to outsource medications and preventatives to their online pharmacy or home delivery service. And so uh, they were saying that their practice is having a lot of reservations about online pharmacy in general, but specifically this manager is really concerned about the reduction in income to the clinic, as well as feeling like, isn't this going to make pet care less convenient for our clients? And so this manager had uh, three or four really specific questions. They want to know, how do we explain to our clients whether uh, that we're no longer carrying their favorite products? Is this the direction that the industry as a whole is headed in? And do the pros outweigh the cons in the long run? And they said, I would love some help as we grapple with this issue and prioritize what we keep on the shelves and whether we should fight for a bigger budget for our products. And I just thought this was such a great uh, conversation to have. And so I am super excited to have you here and nerd out on this with you because I think you and I both have, I think this is going to be a very uh, fun soapboxy episode. (laughs) I was just going to use that word. Like this is a soapbox topic for me. I know it's one for you. Like if we could both just have megaphones and scream from the the hills. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And this comes up all the time, right? Like in our classes that we've done in people that we talk to at conferences, like pharmacy is a huge topic and people are always worried about it and they're afraid. And I understand why they're afraid. True story. So I think uh, let's start as Andy and I always do with the headspace on on this. And so uh, when I sat down to think about how are we going to how are we going to talk about this topic? For me, the headspace really was we've got to start with the why, right? Like that's That is Mm -hmm. the be all end all in this conversation, I think. And so this manager actually asked a a great question 
um, because they didn't put it as one of their questions, but they said they were feeling pressure from their corporate partner to outsource medications and preventatives to their online pharmacy. And so that's where I would start the the why, honestly. And the questions for me are, why are you being asked to outsource things? Because understanding why they are asking you to do it is key to planning how you approach it, not only with your team, but also with your clients. Um, Because there's a whole bunch of different reasons why you might want to outsource more of your pharmacy from your your brick and mortar location to an online uh, an online pharmacy. So some of the things that immediately come to mind for me are, are you over budget in your cost of goods, right? Like that's a really, that's a really easy place that a lot of people start when we look at the cost that it, that it uh, has to the clinic to carry product and have it sitting on our shelves. You and I talk about this extensively when we talk about inventory and we talk about practice financials it is often a place where practices struggle and it is not uncommon for you and I to hear from a practice when we start digging into their budget and looking at numbers, they are like, we're at 24% of our uh, revenue is being carried in cost of goods or 25%. Um, And then when you and I talk about where uh, our practices have been or are, and it's a a significantly lower percent, they're just like, I don't understand understand how... I get to that well, lower yeah. number. <laughs> they, <laughs> if people come out and they're at a super high COGS, um, the first thing that I ask them to do is look at the amount of money on your shelves. And and that starts with, you know, actually recording your inventory correct, which is a whole nother yep. ball of wax. But if you look at, you know, what's what is the money sitting on your shelves? Oftentimes in most practices, it's so big. It's such a big number. And if I am. I know that you have to have products. There are some things you mm-hmm. have to have on your shelf. But if you could liberate half of that amount of money and put it in your bank account, what mm-hmm. could you do with that? It's huge. Yeah. It's a huge number. And I have practices that it's a couple doctors. It's nothing huge. And they're coming back with $40,000, $50,000, dollars mm-hmm. of inventory at their hospital. What could you do with $30,000? Backing, backing yeah, and I think uh, I think that is definitely definitely a piece of it. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we could do with that money because I think that that goes to uh, the last question that, that this uh, practice manager asked us about whether we fight for a bigger budget for products, right? Um, but I think the other the other things they ask uh, for me when it comes to the why and trying to understand. And so, if you are in a practice where you're looking at pressure outside of yourself, whether it's coming from your practice owner or your corporate partner in this case, or even from um, a, from your vendor, if you have an, a home delivery service, or if you don't have one and you have sales reps coming into your practice asking you, why don't you have an online pharmacy? There are, there are good reasons why you're getting some of that pressure. And so um, I want to talk about some of those things that we should all be examining for ourselves. And we should be able to have a concrete ex- answer on the the why. Um, so are you, are you over on your cost of goods? The other really, really common one that we see is when practices have a lot of duplicates of medications. And so I um, I think I have shared this story on the podcast before, but maybe not, maybe just in our, in our inventory uh, sessions that you and I have done. But when I started at my most recent practice, um, I came in and I remember when I went for my interview and it has a, the hospital uh, has a beautiful, big, giant lobby. We were very blessed with uh, space, but you walk in and uh, to the right of the front door are these floor to ceiling shelving units. And they're they're pretty built in. Um, you walk in and there's literally full floor to ceiling of food, pet food. And they had Hills, they had Royal Canaan, and they had Purina, and they had like one of everything, all of the common diets. And then on the opposite side, it is full, shelves are full of parasiticide products. And they had they had chewables, they had topicals, they had uh, flea, they had tick, they had flea and tick, they 
you know, they had all of the combos. <laughs> and I remember, I remember standing in the lobby, uh, waiting for uh, the people who were interviewing me to to come out and get me in. And I remember just thinking, oh my god, I want, I, I want to know so bad just for my own curiosity what their cost of goods is. And it was, it was so funny uh-huh. because we went into the interview and and I like bit my tongue and. <laughs> made myself sit on my hands so that I didn't just immediately blurt out for the love of God, please tell me what your cocks cogs are. <laughs> that was all I could think of when I was standing there staring at the shelves. And it looked it looked beautiful and robust and full and all of the good things that we want to consider when it comes to product marketing in our practices. And at the same time, I was horrified by what I knew must be the dollar volume sitting on those shelves. And I also wanted to know why, why are you having every option under the sun? Because we also know that when we offer everything to our clients, we're not actually offering them anything. Like our clients are more likely to say yes to a recommendation when we give them a clear recommendation and maybe one alternative um, as an option, whether it's medication like an antibiotic or a parasiticide, it doesn't really matter. The clients are looking to the veterinarians and to the hospital team to say, this is what I want to use for Fluffy and here's why, right? And so when we have all of those options on on the shelves, we think about it in terms of feeling good about trying to offer our clients options and convenience. And that's how a lot of my friends that are managers have looked at it. They're like, well, I carry everything on the shelf because we want the clients to be able to get whatever it is that they want. And I can totally understand that. And that was actually honestly part of the part of the answer from from the practice was like, we we want the clients to be able to have choices. And um, and so I, I said, you know, I, I can appreciate that. And like, to your point, I knew thousands, tens of thousands of dollars that were sitting on those shelves. And I was like looking around and just thinking, what else could you do with that money? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, and so many practices and, and I get the mindset I do, you're, but you're not a right. big box store. Right. You're a veterinarian. You're not trying to be a Walmart or a Costco or that that's not our, mm-hmm. our job. Our job is to pick something to feel really confident about and whatever that product may be, it is. And that's fine. And that's the beauty of having an online pharmacy versus carrying all that stuff in your practice, because you get the positives of being yes. a big box store, where if you have that client that comes in and says, Hey, I've used this particular product for 10 years. It's what I like. I'm not switching. You can say, great. Right. We, we have that yeah. over here where it's not sitting on our shelf sure. collecting Let dust, me have that uh, delivered to your house. Eating up yeah. funds. <laughs> and I can bring it right to your door. And it's, it's such a better yeah. way to do that. Um, the other horrifying thing, when you said that, I was like, I wonder how much people are taking off their shelves. Oh my God, are you, like, right? That, that was 100%. I was standing there thinking, mm, I wonder how much of that inventory is, is walking off. Because it's out, right? It's out and it's in the open. And I'm like, if you have that much product, you and I both know when it comes to managing inventory, like when you have that much product sitting on the shelves, if you are not like doing daily counts of that stuff, stuff is walking off. Every, every single time right. and everybody likes to think that it's not and then it's not going to happen in their practice and oh you know we know we know our clients we know our team but the reality is it did it happens it walks off the shelf every day and yeah. and so that was the the other part of it for me and so it's funny I, I i did finally get to the point and i asked the medical director um and um the regional uh manager who were interviewing me i asked him you know, tell, tell me about the products that are that are on the shelf and tell me about, you know, why you guys have um, the, the volume and stock that you do. And it was interesting because the practice had been, um, they were like, well, you know, we want we want to be able to offer convenience to our clients and the closest um, the closest store that carries stuff like this is a little bit of a drive. And so we want them to be able to access stuff. And I was like, oh, OK. Um, and I was like, is that, is that, you know, is that the only reason they were like, well, you know, I said, well, tell me about, tell me about the parasiticides, for example. And what it came down to was that this practice had been largely um, managing for a good period of time with one 
regular doctor and a lot of relief help. And so it turns out that they had started ordering things because someone would be doing relief and they'd be like, this is what I'm used to using. Can you guys get, I'm going to prescribe it for the client. Can you, can you get it? And instead of, uh, they didn't have an inventory manager or anybody who was in charge of that at the, at the time. And so, uh, they just asked whoever was on that day and they were like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get it ordered for the client. So instead of looking at how do I have one single order sent to this particular client uh, or even the five clients that that associate uh, vet saw that day, it was like, sure, let me buy a whole carton and have it delivered to the clinic. And then it's the, you know, the other eight boxes in that carton are going to just sit on the shelf until the end of time. And so, uh, you know, that that's the, the next piece of the why for me that I would ask uh, you when trying to unearth why are you being asked to do this is are you overstocked, right? So we know that duplicates and overstocking um, cause massive chaos when it when it comes to inventory. And uh, so that would be something else I would would look at is, you know, do you have the duplicates? But also if you even if you only have one product, let's say I walked in and they were only carrying, you know, one of the one of the parasiticides. If every single one of those shelves is full with multiple cartons of backstock sitting there, the next question in my mind is like, how often are we actually turning over that product? How often is that product sitting on those shelves? Um, because that also contributes to the problem just as much as carrying all of those duplicates, right? Oh, for sure. And you can get caught in the trap. Like I love, I love my vendors. They're fabulous people. All of my reps are wonderful and they've gotten to know me and, and the kind of manager I am over time. Um, so they know when to give me a deal and when not to give me a deal. Right. Right. But you have a lot of these vendors that will come in and it's their mm -hmm. job to sell you product. Yes. That's what they do. And so they'll come in and say, Hey, we have this special on X right. parasiticide. And so if you buy, 45 million cartons will give you three for free. And so you think, oh, man, right. three? Like, that's, it's 350 right. bucks a carton. I mean, who would pass up over $1,000 in savings? Give me the 45 million right. cartons. Um, and then before you know it, you're sending back expired product and you're eating a ton of money uh, and it totally wasn't worth it. And, and I see so many places fall into that trap and then they've got all this extra stock that it, it just yeah. eats your wallet yeah and then i think the last piece of the maybe the why um that i could think of uh would be you know one of the benefits to having been in corporate practice is that we often um had access to data uh, that was greater than what I might have had access to in private practice. And so one of the questions I would ask is, are, are we looking at data that is showing that my specific hospital, my specific clients are already shopping elsewhere, right? And that is something that all of us should be looking at, whether we're corporate or, or private practices, it doesn't matter. And I used to have a spreadsheet in my private practice where every time we got online pharmacy request for another pharmacy didn't matter whether it was um you know 1-800 pet meds or chewy or the costco down the street when we got an outside pharmacy that was something that got logged on the spreadsheet so that we could see where our clients were shopping what they were shopping for in other places and be able to make decisions for ourselves that occurred because i'm super freaking nerdy and i love spreadsheets <laughs> No. <laughs> big surprise, big shocker to anybody who listens to the podcast, uh, right? You guys should all know this about me by now. Um, and because I I uh, grew up in a practice where one of my practice owners was a CPA. And so numbers and data mattered. And that was how I was trained. And that was what I did. And um, and yet, I think that was one of the things that I appreciated when I, when I worked in corporate practice was that I often had access to uh, collated data like that that was telling me specific narrative about my own clients and my own practice. And so that would be another question that I would want this manager to ask. But I, I, I think all of those questions aside, I think the number one thing from a headspace is I would start with why. Get, get curious and not in a, I'm going to tell you no, because I don't agree with you way, but in a, tell me, tell me why. Why, why is that? Why here? Why now? Why is this important? Right? Because understanding the why I think is where we should always start when it comes to making decisions in our practice. Yeah. And I think, I think you have to feel good about it too. Yes. You know, if, if you're going to do this 
if you're going to start to outsource, if if you're just doing it because your mom told you to, like, <laughs> it's that same thing as when we were children. Like, my mom says I have to clean my room before I can go sleep over at Stephanie's house. <laughs> it's really stupid. Like, you know, it, if corporate is telling you or if you're if your practice owner is telling you, like, you have to clean your room, you have to outsource your your stuff. Right. If you're just going to go into it with like, it's because I have to. Like, that's yes. really why, though. Yes. Like, what is the true reason? Yeah. And then find something that you can embrace. And so I think I think em- the embracing it is is big, right? So that I think the acceptance and the embracing are two separate steps because, you know, when your mom tells you to go clean your room, I love that analogy. Uh, <laughs> there's always the like, I'm going to fight against it. And then at some point comes the acceptance, which is usually uh done with a pout and an irritated you know an irritated face and attitude right and then eventually some of us get around to embrace the embracing part not all of us um but some of us get around to the embracing part and i think jen and i are hoping that by the end of this conversation that <laughs> that we have encouraged uh and ca- cajoled and like supported and loved on you guys enough to get around to the embracing part of it cuz both of us are are going to shout uh, loud and clear about our love for online pharmacies. <laughs> well, you do like to hug people. So I think the embracing thing. I do. I, that is a true story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. So, um, yeah. so Headspace, we're going to start with why, right? And then, and then I think actually this episode is going to be a, um, less about the plan of attack and a little bit more about headspace. And so I think the other, there were three other questions that um, our listener asked that I think are important to unpack in terms of headspace. And so the first one is uh, they asked, is this the direction that the industry as a whole is headed in? And I think what they are specifically asking is maybe not just about online pharmacies, because I kind of got the feeling that, that, they were on the fence there, but, but most specifically about outsourcing quote unquote, a lot of our medications and preventatives. And so my question there, it's, 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 um, you know, picking things apart. Right. Uh, but the reality is, are you being asked to outsource your pharmacy as a whole by and large, or are you being asked to outsource a lot of medication or preventatives because of some of the reasons that we just talked about, right? Because they, because how you feel about that and your response to it are probably going to be different. If someone came in and said, I want you to stop carrying all products in-house and send everything out to an online pharmacy. And there are practices that run that model now that has shifted to the doctor's office where you don't carry anything in-house and you send them to the pharmacy mm-hmm. just like we do in that they do in human medicine, right? But the most most of us are still living in that hybrid space where we're trying to adopt the model of we carry the necessary things in-house. And the things where, to your point, we want to be able to provide clients with multiple options or we want to reduce some of the duplicates that are on our shelves, or we want to be able to carry a variety of sizes and choice. Like we want to give clients choices. I think that's the bottom line behind online shopping, right? Like when, when you or I go flip open Amazon to find something, part of why I'm doing that is because I know I'm going to have a variety of choices and a variety of price points at my fingertips. And I'm not going to have to think about that, right? And so I think um, a lot of us approach what we carry in our own practice with that same uh, that same rule of thumb. And that certainly was the case in my practice because one of the things that I looked at in horror when I was standing in that lobby is that they had single doses. They had three packs. They had six packs. They had 12 packs. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and stop it. <laughs> Just slow stop. Slow your roll. <laughs> slow your roll. Yeah. And that was something like immediately it's the light bulb moment where you're like, you can just carry like six month packs and that's how people buy it from you. And that's okay. And and that's really that's okay. that's change, right? And change change is hard. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about that is I guarantee that most practices did not start with all of those options on their shelf. 
they started with a couple and and then slowly over time something got added and then it was like well if we're going to add that then we might as well add this and then let's have this option for clients as well and so that change doesn't occur overnight either which is the funny part to me is that we all dig in our heels when it comes to eliminating that change but most of us are really willing to embrace that change on the front end in terms of adding things it's the it's the taking away where we're just like let's dig in our heels and and scream about this right so i think is this direction that the industry is headed in a whole hell yes <laughs> right yeah we're we're just so far behind <laughs> on that train uh it the ship has sailed um i know we were talking earlier about you know, I mean, look at the pandemic, like if that was not a reason to jump on the online pharmacy, ship it to people train, like it, that was fireworks yes. in your face, like get get on the boat yes. um, of getting that done. And we were talking about, you know, how much e commerce has grown over time. Yes. And yeah, this is definitely where we're going. Yeah. So it's funny because you and I, when we when we we looked at that question, you and I both uh, emphatically said yes, right? And we're and we're <laughs> laughing because both of us have been on board with home delivery. I, I mean, my practice, my prior practice, um, was one of the very first uh, practices with MWI's proxy program. Do you remember that? Like way back when. Oh, that's old. Right? Yeah. Like I'm dating. I'm I mean, dating. We're very young. Okay. We're both very young, beautiful women, but yeah, I'm dating that's myself old. with that. Right. So, so like I've been, I've been on board uh, for, for a long time. And I think your point is really valid, which is that the world shifted radically under all of our feet in the last couple of years. And so I have seen a lot more, uh, a lot more practices make the leap which is which is amazing and and exciting and at the same time it never ceases to amaze me how many practices i talk to who are like eh, we haven't like we're not really into it we haven't we don't see the see the value in it we don't we don't understand why we don't want to give up the the profitability and so um i think those are all things that that you know you and i want to get into but it was interesting because when you and i were having the conversation about setting this episode up to your point about uh, about the pandemic, we know so there was a, um, a white paper done on why why online why, why online pharmacies and and why now um, and had a lot of statistical information from completely outside um, the online pharmacies themselves within veterinary medicine and so there was a there was a statistic that came out of that from the american pet products association um and they did a bunch of studying during covid and their their estimate was that 11.4 million million households got a new pet during the pandemic and those numbers were significantly higher amongst millennials and gen z and so you and I were looking at that. And and for me, I my first thought was, I don't know a single millennial or Gen Z who doesn't shop online. Like I, I shop I shop online. I'm not a millennial, but I shop online. You shop online. My freaking grandma <laughs> <laughs> 96 years old shops online now and has groceries delivered and things sent from Amazon like this it's not just and I think that's one of the things that drives me crazy is often we get so laser focused on what's well, just the young people right it's the millennials it's the Gen Z like they're they're driving this and they are because statistically they're uh numerically there are way more of them that are doing it in faster at a faster time speed than a lot of the other generations, but it's not a generational discussion anymore. And it hasn't been for quite some time. And so I think we need to look at our own behaviors and it's amazing to me. Um, you know, uh, I, I have uh, watched Andy ask this question in, in lectures and um, our friend Eric Garcia uh, does a, has a, some lectures that he has been doing recently about e-commerce. And I watched recently when we were in Florida, him ask the question of the audience, uh, you know, who who here has shopped on Amazon in the last week? And almost every single hand in that room went up and it was a big room <laughs> with a lot of people in it, right? And the reality is that's, we are all used to uh, the e-commerce model 
now. And there's tons of statistics and, and we can um, drop some of them in the show notes because I think they're actually really, really interesting. But I think the reality is the pandemic has forced e-commerce growth to explode. And I think veterinary medicine, like we do, has done some serious digging in of our heels and folding of our hands over our chests. Like, yeah, we're not. You know what? We're not into and this. you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember? And this is going to age me a little bit, but I mean, way back in the day, it was all about print ads in the phone yes. book. Yeah, uh, like yes. computers mm-hmm. were not—they yeah. were not our thing. We were not actually going to use computers. Yes. This was like back in the '90s, you know. And computers are not here to stay. Right. Uh, so let's just keep print ads. And people were spending crazy amounts of money there, mm-hmm. and it took forever to get vets <laughs> to stop paying for these huge color page ads it's like i'm talking to my practice owner like please for the love of god stop paying for print ads in the phone book and i feel like we're kind of there where life went on computers are that's what we do now uh who has a phone book like what and they come they come to your house and they come you're like do i sit on this like what is this for it's on computers. Like that's where we are. That's reality. And that's where e-commerce is. Like I don't go to the store anymore. It's stuff's delivered. That's real life. It's so funny that you say that because when I moved here to Washington, so I, you guys, I've, I've been living here seven years. So that's math. That's too hard to do this early in the morning, but whatever seven <laughs> years ago was 2016. Uh, so 15. in, in, yeah. in, in the teens, right in the 20 teens, I'm, I'm not kidding. The, my practice still had ads in the phone book and was pay were pay the, the, and I looked at when I first started and I dug in and I looked at the budget and and not like thousand dollar plus a month expense to have these giant yeah. ads in the phone book and I was like oh my god why why are we do why are we doing this right and the conversation was we and it's I understood that why they were thinking this way for. A little bit i could have some understanding we live in the uh we are actually the second most concentrated place in the entire united states for retirees other than like somewhere in florida right and so uh they were like old older people want their phone book and they don't they don't have uh, you know cell phones and they're not looking at information that way. And I was like, Ooh, I beg to differ. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to push, I'm going to push the buttons here. Right. And so we looked at, we looked at that, but it's so, it's so true. And I think a lot of us in veterinary medicine have looked at online pharmacy in that way. Like we're just going to fight it and we're just going to fight it and dig in our heels and dig in our heels. And it irritates the hell out of me because I'm just like, we are so far behind the curve. And so I, th- I think, I think when, when I, we looked at the question, is this the direction that the industry in a whole is heading? It was a resounding heck yes from both of us. And uh, I have, I really feel strongly, and this is where Jen and I both get on this, get on the soapbox on this. If you are running your practice and you do not have a home delivery option for your clients, you are failing to serve your clients. And I, I, I would fight, fight me on that one because we, we do a disservice to our clients when we cannot provide them with options. And to your point, like when you have those clients who come in who are like, I've been using this product for years and it works for me and I would like to continue it, there may be some validity and some updating of the medicine that has been done and we should be educating them. If we have a newer product or a better product that could serve their patient, I'm not saying not to have those conversations. And I would rather be able to serve that client and meet their needs and meet them where they're at than have them walk away and buy from someone else. And we know that that is exactly what is happening because hello, have you checked your fax machine lately? How many faxes do you have sitting on it from Chewy or 1-800-PET-MEDS, right? The reality is, or even Amazon, like we know that clients are shopping other places now. And again, this is where I, I really meant it when I said, this is not a generational problem. This is not millennials. It's not just the Gen Zs that are shopping online. It's all of our clients. And often when you start to dig into the data about your specific clinic's clients, it's some of your best clients that are probably shopping online. And so I think it's really important to... Um, to start with that headspace of even if you don't think that this is the right fit for your practice, I'm going to really push you or your practice owner, whoever is providing the resistance 
and the drag on this uh, because the reality is we're we're here like we're the ship has like you're I loved how you said that Jen the ship has already sailed like the rest of us have been on the ship for a while and we're waving at you from out in the ocean right and there are still there are still colleagues of ours who are standing back on the shoreline going I don't I don't know um, but I, you are losing out if that is you, like you are losing out on the opportunity to, to serve your clients. And so I would challenge you to, to think about it in a different way. And for me, that is often a lot of the conversation you and I have had with our colleagues when we're talking about this, it is about reframing the way we think about it, because we are so concerned in veterinary medicine about losing, losing clients, losing profit, losing margins. And when the conversation is often had about home delivery, the number one thing that comes up is, well, they're going to take all the profits. And what's the point if I'm only going to, you know, get a couple of dollars out of that prescription, I could sell that in my clinic and mark it up 75, 100%, you know, because a lot of times the conversation is about parasiticides, which is a loss leader. And for a lot of us, we do charge lesser uh, markups on that because it is something we, we're providing because it's good quality medicine, right? And we want all of our patients to be on it. And I would rather sell that higher volume of it at a lower cost and generate the same amount of revenue than have it markup be the markup be higher and have clients buy it from other sources online, right? So that's one of those ones that's really common. And and the argument is, well, I I don't want to lose that money because if I'm already selling it at a lower markup and then I move it to my home delivery or my online pharmacy, then I'm going to lose even more money because they're going to take fees and and you know credit card fees and all of that kind of stuff. And so at the at the end of the day, if I'm only getting you know two dollars, let's just pick a round number out of the air. If I'm only getting two dollars for that, uh, you know, next guard prescription, it's not worth it to me. And I uh, I think that's one of the things that I have always been most puzzled by that line of thinking because I was like I will arm wrestle you to fight you on that one well like it's and because yes and more it's hard for me because I'm like I would rather have two dollars ten times a day than zero dollars ten times a day mm-hmm. and so I you know that that argument I I really have have really struggled with that and I've had it I've had the conversation with people and I've never really heard an actual explanation that has made logical sense i think the the drive for that conversation comes from a place of fear and i can understand mm-hmm. that because for the first probably 10 years that i was in practice and you and i have both been in practice about the same amount of time we had raging markups on our pharmacy i remember a time where a lot of products had multiple hundreds of t- of time <laughs> percent markup on them right and and those Mm -hmm. those days are gone as things have shifted and people are buying online and they're shopping around they're doing all of the same things that we all do in our personal lives they're doing that for their pets as well and so those those days are gone and so for me it's it the I have never understood that rationale of I'm just going to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting and so I think I think you and I are both solidly in the yes camp (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And and the, the bummer is the battle's lost. And I, I hate to say that. I do because the battle, it we fought it for a long yeah. time. We really did. And we did well for a long time, but it's gone. It's lost. And and a lot of people forget the the time and energy you have to put into carrying everything that you want to, paying somebody to order it, paying somebody to put it on the shelf, paying somebody to sell it. You know, I see a lot of practices paying production on these products. Yes. And so really... By the time you do all of the things, you're making 15 cents if, on a product. If you're not actually if, yeah, if you're not actually losing money, because how often do you and I talk to practices where we dig into that and we ask them how their pricing is set up and then we ask them right. what their average staff hourly wage is and we calculate out what it costs to order, to carry, to do all of those things. And then we ask them about production and that's where like by horrified, I, I always have to struggle. <laughs> I struggle you guys to control the horrified look on my face because when somebody tells me that then they're paying production and we actually do the whiteboard math with them so many practices are actually losing money on those products when we do the full math because there are so many practices out there where the price that gets put into the computer and their inventory setup is what is my hard cost 
And that's all that's being looked at. And all of those other associated soft costs are not. And, um, you know, I, I, if, if you are listening and you're like, I, this is all stuff that I didn't know or that I, um, I'm like, well, maybe that's us. Like I'm not, um, you are not alone. And it is, it is, it is something that you can help change for your practice by getting some education and support. And there are a lot of uh, places now in veterinary medicine where you can get that support. We uh, both are huge advocates of uh, our friend, Nicole Claussen, who's actually doing a, a podcast with me uh, that is coming up as well. She uh, is an inventory super nerd and uh, she's got a whole community on Facebook for uh, the inventory nation and a place where people in veterinary medicine, because a lot of times the person who gets put in charge of inventory for the clinic is an assistant or a technician or somebody who just got handed this thing. They don't actually have any formal training. There hasn't been any, any, uh, you know, a whole lot of thought put into how do I train them? What do they need to know? Why do they need to know it? And I can't tell you how many times every single practice that I have personally worked in where I've gone into and it has, I have looked at those numbers where it hasn't been the case that there are charges that are not included and how those prices are factored. And when you actually do the math where there are things where you're, where you're losing money. And so I think, I think that that's a super important point. And I think, um, you know, not, not to look at it in a negative perspective, but like it's time to stop having the conversation about should we? Because the answer is hell yes, we should have 10 years ago. And the question for in my mind is how do we, right? And so you and I, uh, when we've had these conversations before, we both are very strong proponents of, I don't care which pharmacy you use, you just need to have one. Because the the answer there is that, look, the pick the it needs to be the path of least resistance. And every clinic is unique. You have different team members. You have a different team makeup. You have a different workflow from the practice down the street. You have different clients from the practice down the street. And at the end of the day, the way that you go about choosing your partner should include thought into all of those things. And then you should be looking at what product out there because there are a lot of them now, which is great. I mean, when I started, literally proxy was the only option. We had one and you worked with what you had. And now there are a multitude of of home delivery options for veterinary practices. And so I think what you and I both try and encourage people to do is look at what is your workflow? What it, what are your problems? Going back to the why, why are you trying to do this and what option out there is going to be the best fit for your practice? And um, the answer is going to be different in every clinic. And that's okay. That's why we're so glad that there are multiple options that work. And then I think the other big question and caveat that you and I both encourage people to ask is what partner matches your values as a business what what partner do you feel like you get excellent customer service from that feels like an extension of your your practice because if i'm going to work with a third party partner i want my clients to have the same kind of experience when they have to call customer support for a question their pet won't eat the food or the product caused a you know caused a reaction or they've got they're trying to do a return because uh, you know, whatever the reason is, I want whoever they get on the phone to feel like an extension of my own practice. I want there to be a similar experience. And so again, because we all run our practices differently, each each of the options out there for, thir- for third-party partners are going to have a different experience and feel. And so that should be part of the decision-making process for, for me is what is going to be a natural extension um, of, that, of that process. But this is where you go back to the why. Why are you trying to partner with somebody? Are you trying to outsource some of the duplicates? Are you trying to provide clients with additional options? Like what is, what is the why and how does the partner that you choose serve that why I think is is really important. Yeah, when we looked into ours, I remember, I mean, there's a lot of options that will integrate with your mm-hmm. uh, yep. software, of course. Mm-hmm. And we actually wound up picking something that didn't because we liked the company better. They did a better job with customer service. We just felt like they would get a better client experience. And that was, we're trying to convince these people don't buy from you know these other places. We can have the stuff delivered to you and you're going to get great customer service. And that's what 
what drove us to pick mm-hmm. uh, the pharmacy that we ultimately went mm-hmm. went with. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think the next question that was asked after that is, do the do the pros outweigh the cons in the long run? And I think we've talked a little bit about that. And again, I think our answer is a resounding heck yes. I absolutely. I you know I think. Um, I think that's where we are. And I I think you bring up such a a valid point. Like we, we need to be able to provide for our clients because if they're not going to get it from us, they're, they're going to get it from somewhere else. And so we can control that. We can control that narrative, but so many of us don't do a great job of self-promotion in this regard. And I see so many clinics who have, uh, uh, online who say that they have an online pharmacy when I ask them, well, how are you using it? And they're like, oh, well, when a client, when a client asks us for something we don't have, then we fill it through our online pharmacy. And I'm like, wow, you guys are missing a big opportunity here uh, in a whole mm-hmm. variety of different ways. And I, so I think, I think it's interesting in this, this email um, from this listener, and it was about they're getting pressure to outsource a lot of medications. And I know that that's a scary thought for a lot of practices. And I I uh, certainly had anxiety myself when I shifted. Um, so probably about seven or eight years ago now, the practice that I was in, we started shifting more of our product to our home delivery service because I was really trying to free up capital in the practice and I was trying to free up the capital that was sitting on the shelf. And so we, as a, as a doctor team and myself sat down and looked at what were we carrying and why we were carrying it and really tried to pare down some of what we had on the shelves. Um, because part of our why was we wanted to bring on more team members and as much as we all wish and, and I'm going to like soapbox for a hot second here. I talk to my friends and colleagues in private practice. And so many times I have knowing full well that I worked in a corporate practice, people would look at me and say, well, corporate just gives you the money to do things like you can pay the, the, the bonuses, the signing bonuses, you can pay your team more because you're a corporate practice. And I can't tell you guys how many times I looked at people and had to have the conversation about there is no magic NVA money tree that I went and shook or magic Banfield money tree that goes and gets shook and the money just falls out and the things happen. Like the way that the budget, my budget worked in corporate practice was the exact same way that it works in private practice, which is that it's a pie. And I decide as the practice administrator or my medical director and I decide together or my practice owner and I decide together how that pie gets divided up and it's no different in private practice than it is in corporate practice. And so I think when we when we think about shifting that for online pharmacy, part of the goal with my doctor team and I was we wanted to hire more team members. And we were at a place where we were really squeezed for that extra money. And so we decided to take a hard look at what were we carrying and why were we carrying it and try and free up some of that capital um, because we were facing a state minimum wage increase. And I was looking at our team and I knew we wanted to add more team members. And I also wanted to be able to increase the wages of the team that I already had. And I calculated out what that was going to cost us. And we were looking at like $43,000 that we were going to have to make shake out of a money tree. And I knew that there was no money tree that I was just going to go shake. And so I was like, how are we going to do this? And so one of the options I looked at is, look, do we have stuff that we can eliminate? And can can we get this number down? Because if we can get this number down, then it's going to free up capital in other pieces of the pie that I can then reallocate to paying paying the team. And so, um, you know, that for me is a really, really strong example of a pro that far outweighs the con. And I think the other big one for both of us is the understanding that not every single one of our clients is going to be able to take our recommendations at face value. And we have done an incredible job in veterinary medicine, I think, over the last 16 years that I have been in practice, uh, elevating the standard of care and shifting and we've got more pets on preventative and we're doing more preventative education and we're addressing whole patient care and wellness care in ways that we never had before. And I think it's amazing. And um, I think that there is needs to be room in the conversation for 
not every client that we work with is going to be able to, for a variety of reasons, not all of them that have to do with money, is going to be able to take our recommendations. And so I think it's really important that we start to have a really serious conversation about how do we meet our clients where they're at. And this is where I feel like home delivery and an online pharmacy for your practice absolutely make sense and support that because now I have the capacity for my client who is a snowbird who now is in Alaska for the summer and needs their prescription. Well, I can let them go be seen at another practice locally and get the medicine from somebody else, or I can let them order from an online pharmacy uh, that is not mine, or I can say, yeah, no problem. Let me have it shipped to you and it'll show up where you're vacationing for the summer and not a problem. We'll see you when you're back in town for the winter because we've got the reverse snowbirds, right? So, and same for you. You get you get the clients who come down for the winter and are in Arizona and enjoying mm-hmm. the sunshine and you have the option to, you know that they might see a vet where they live the rest of the year or you might be their primary vet and you're providing services while they're there and you want the ability to continue giving them those those products and services that they need when they're back you know home here in Washington for the spring and summer right so i think it's it creates an opportunity for us to start to have some of those conversations about how do we meet clients where they're at whether it's they they need a lesser expensive option or a product that they started on when they lived in the South that covers, you know, things that parasites and things that they have there endemically year round that we don't have here on the West Coast. Or, you know, those are like, those are just some examples and they're easy ones. But I think that it's part of the bigger conversation about the pros outweighing the cons here. I think part of that too, and something that was very eye-opening for me, like number one, you get to be there for your client all year round from a pharmacy standpoint, which is great. And we do, our, our population goes up by like 40,000 people when we have snowbirds here. So it's, it's crazy. But number two, I had a client, this was, I don't know, year two, I think that we were open and uh, we were trying to sell her, I think it was HeartGuard or, you know, and, and we sell it in either we have, we have six month boxes. That's what, how we sell it. So you can either get mm-hmm. six months or you can get 12 mm-hmm. months. That's what we have. And uh, she said, I can't afford that. And the, I had this light bulb moment where it was like, oh, our online pharmacy offers uh, a remind me where they just send a monthly right. dose to that client. Right. And that's such a more affordable option mm-hmm. for that person mm-hmm. where they're not having to shell out a 12 month fee of HeartGuard spending over a hundred bucks. This lady couldn't do it. But once we sat down and I said, oh, you know what? Our online pharmacy, this comes right to your house. You give it to your pet. So you're not forgetting to do mm-hmm. that, which is a great feature of mm-hmm. that. So the pet is getting better standard of care. And on top of that, you have to pay for it monthly instead of all out at one time. And the lady was so ecstatic Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a win-win. And now we're not denying that pet a needed product because the lady can't, you know, because that client couldn't afford it. And and it's... It's just something I never thought of because for me, I'm like, yeah, you just buy six months right. and you do the thing. You know? And it's so funny. I love that you use that as an example because I um, I will tell you guys, I am that client, but in an, in a different way. I My problem is not that I couldn't or wouldn't spend the money to buy a six-month or 12-month box. I am your stereotypical non-compliant preventative client because I, for the love of all that is holy, cannot remember... <laughs> with all the chaos in my life to give the dose when it's supposed to be given. Like I'll buy the box, I'll give like the first two doses and then the rest of that six or 12 packs will sit in in the cabinet in my house and will not get given because life is a thing, right? And I will tell you that very early on, I made the transition to getting similarly, getting the remind me dose. It shows up once a month in the mailbox. I would go uh, walk. I, my, I, I lost uh, my dog in this last year, but Bird and I would take a walk down to the mailbox 
and we would go, go get her dose. And literally standing at the mailbox, I would give her her monthly dose because that was the only way that I could guarantee that it would go into her because otherwise forget it. And it right. changed. It was a game changer for me in terms of feeling like now I'm not lying to clients when I tell them I give my pet preventative monthly because it's actually a thing that's happening. And so that's where I think I challenge us as colleagues to start to open our minds beyond the first thing that comes to mind, which is we need to offer options because it's not affordable. Um, I think that's a fantastic reason because we need to meet people where they're at and recognize that there are other reasons why people want things shipped to their home that don't just uh, relate to the cheapest possible option. And I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of us where that is the lens that we have narrowed down and viewed uh, home delivery and online clients, uh, online shopping through is that we're just talking about the clients who want the, you know, bargain basement pricing. And that's why they're shopping online. And I think we know that the reality is, look, we all get on Amazon and order stuff because I don't want to have to leave my house. I want to be able to at 11pm when I remember, oh, crap, I'm out of toilet paper. I want to be able to order it and have it show up at my house. Like, that's where we live now. <laughs> and <Yeah>. and, and, <laughs> and so I think it's the same for our clients when when it comes to what are they ordering and why are they ordering it. And, and so I think the last question was, um, do we fight for a bigger budget for our products? I think you and I talked already, like, don't you want to put that money towards something else? And I think the first thing that came to both of our minds is let's put that money towards our team. Like we're talking and we're having yeah. these bigger conversations about, you know, wages and wage equality and how do we, how do we, you know, do more for our teams and how do we support people who stick with us and are there for us? Like I would way rather take some of that money that's sitting on the shelf in terms of inventory and buy things for my team, pay them more, buy new equipment, do those things. And when you start to look at your pharmacy as capital sitting on the shelf, it's fun to kind of do some hallucinating and think about what else you could do with that money. It sounds super nerdy, but for me, that's such a fun thing to think of. If I had like X amount of money, yeah. if I got rid of some of these meds and I had the ability to still carry them on an online pharmacy, you're not taking anything out of your hospital that you can't give back to your clients. So it's not like you're like, oh, we're going to get rid of x-ray. Right. Like this right. is something that is, it's easy to figure that out. But what you can do with that money, I mean, I've seen practices that they have actually been able to free up enough space getting rid of product yes. to put in another exam yes. room. You want to talk about profitability. Yes, absolutely. Like what could you do with that space? Yes. It's not even always about the money, but it's how much space is that stuff taking up? The you know, when you when you're talking about a full shelf up front of pet food and preventatives and you know, what could you do with that space? I will I will let alone what's getting stolen. I, I, will, I will tell you that the uh although I'm not at the practice because I am not uh in full time practice anymore, um, but uh they are putting two exam rooms in the lobby in that space yes. that previously had yeah. uh, inventory just sitting on it. And those, to your point, those exam rooms are going to generate revenue now for the practice in a capacity that far exceeds the $50 box of heartworm preventative or $100 box of heartworm preventative, uh, you know, when we're generating an ACT of, you know, 250 or 300 bucks every time a client walks in that exam room, right? So that's, that's super smart. And I think trying to figure out what are your team's pain points and trying to turn that into why are we making this shift Yes, can really be beneficial. And so I think if it's, we need more team members, you can spin moving product out to be able to generate the revenue to do that and free up that yep. money. If it's, man, we don't have enough exam rooms. It's taking our clients, our wait times are forever. Our doctors are sitting on their hands because they don't have another exam room to go into. If you free up the space, maybe you can get another exam room. Like if you can think of things that are a problem for your team and then turning that into the solution is exporting that stuff out of your practice, putting that on an online pharmacy. Yeah. That's a great way to motivate them to be part of that transition, which is, I'm not saying it's scary guys. Like we did it out the gate starting our practice and it was still hard mm -hmm. because we had so many professionals that came from the dig in your heels, don't you know, you don't migrate that stuff out of practice right. kind of places. And it's hard. It's a hard transition. I'm not saying it's, yeah, you just tell them, be excited about it. And they're going to do it. And it's going to be great. It's hard, but you can do it. And you just have to find the reason why. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, so. I, as usually occurs with you and I, we get to talking and the conversation is so good and we could talk about this forever. <laughs> and I think uh, we're at the wrapping point for today because I think we answered all the questions with yes, yes and yes. <laughs> and let's just do let's it. Start with the why. And that's a, that's a big part of it. And I love the point that you just ended us on, which is it's not only the why about what you're why you're being asked to make the change and why would you want to make the change, but also what is the why in the practice? What are the pain points for the team? What are the pain points for the clients? What do you want to have more money for? Why do you want to have more money in in the practice? What could you do with it if you free it up? I think all of those things are great reasons to take a look at uh, shifting to an online pharmacy if you don't have one. Um, and uh and yet i also can see i would i would love it to for us to do a part two on this and talk about uh you know you brought up the the team and it's hard and change is hard and i think the plan of attack when i sat down and and looked at this because you know usually andy and i talk about headspace and then we talk about okay how do we actually tackle this problem and for me the tackling of it comes down to clients really don't care at the end of the day they really don't care what you carry or why you're carrying it. They just want you to tell them what they need and how they get it. And so that is a training issue all day long. And we need to teach our people how, what to say and how to say it. And so uh, I could totally see you and I jumping on and doing a part two of this and really <laughs> diving into that because that is its whole own separate thing, right? But the why yeah. I feel like um, I feel like this has been really, really fun going back and forth and talking about uh, some of the reasons why we need to do this. But I think the answer to all of the questions from Jen and I is a resounding yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have had so much fun talking through all of this with you, Jen. Thanks for being here with me today and uh, for talking this through. This was fun. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I love chatting with you any any chance I get. So thanks for having of me. Of course. And uh, yeah, I'll be back if you want. If you want to discuss how to get your team to do this, I'll be back. You just you just have to say the word. Sounds good. Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.